Hey everyone, Andrew from the Games and App Podcast here. If you're hearing this, I wanted to take a minute and apologize to you all. Brandon and I have had a few things come up of recent that, unfortunately, have kept us from regularly uploading the audio version of the podcast. If you're listening to this on or after November 1st, then there are three brand new episodes for you to enjoy, so be sure to check your feed for those other ones as well. This episode in particular was our discussion on Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the new 2019 release, as well as Outer Worlds, and was recorded back on October 30th. I hope you all enjoy it, thank you so much for listening, and we promise to get these audio versions back on a regular schedule. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. And welcome to the Very Scary Games Now podcast, the show where we do the scariest thing imaginable and talk about games for an hour and a half. I'm Andrew Fiak. And I'm Brandon Carnahan. What's up, y'all? Nothing. Uh, Oh, oh, that's right. We still can't hear the audience. I'm I'm, I'm always like, do I answer that or do I just let that float in the air? No, I think it's kind of rhetorical, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I, I can get behind either way of interpreting that. So, yeah. Um, happy Halloween, everybody uh, listening to this. If you're listening to the audio, if you're joining us live on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash the games that podcast. Um, happy Halloween. I hope your costume was exactly what you wanted it to be and that you either scared the pants off people and or impressed them so much with how accurate your Iron Man uh, cosplay was, um, I bet you uh, nailed it at the party and you really impressed that girl slash guy. Um, and hopefully you didn't drink a little too much liquid courage and you were able to finally ask them out. I get behind that too. And that's the games of that guarantee. <laughs> and that's the games of that guarantee. <laughs> Notice I had um, to say it- that to make it more uh, official. Yeah. Uh, what do you, uh, you got any plans for Halloween, Brandon? Yeah, we're actually uh, planning on going over to Connor's Halloween party. Uh, mm. As usual, or Connor from Greedo Shop first, where I will be using this guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Homemade. I bet I know what you're going to be. Ah, I'm going to be a guy with a flashlight. Hello. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say Captain Kirk, but... Um, Actually, no. it's Doctor Who. It's a... Uh, it, oh, zap, my God. It does look exactly zap like the... Zap and screwdriver. The McTriangle screwdriver. Yeah! Um, yeah, it's a Bosch. Um, well, how about <laughs> you? What do you got going on? Uh, well, I'd love to go to Connor's party, and hopefully we can make that happen, but yeah. it all depends on when my daughter decides to come out of my girlf- or my wife's butt. Uh, yeah, however that works. Are- Babies are just wild. They they do what they want. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't run anybody's time but their own. You know what? I, I appreciate that. So depending on how that goes, you'll probably see me, uh, and maybe you won't see me. And if you don't see me, uh, I'll let my friend Matt Murdock know, and maybe he'll show up. Oh, okay. 
you went to a Halloween party last year for me because I couldn't go. Uh, and everybody was really upset with him because, you know, he's blind and just runs into stuff all the time. No, I can't fault him for it. He's got no. cool glasses, though. I'll give him that. Well, yeah. He Better makes looking into those. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but today we are talking about uh, a couple games that came out this week. Uh, two in particular, we're going to talk about Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the mighty reboot from, uh, I guess, as it's being touted, a, a reimagining, a yeah, soft not, reboot, a soft reboot, soft reboot, not a remaster, not a remake, definitely a uh, a new foot forward. So they're saying for Call of Duty mm-hmm. Modern Warfare franchise. And then we're going to talk a little bit about um, Obsidian's new RPG, their space epic uh, answer to Fallout uh, Outer Worlds. Not to be confused with Outer Wilds, which I hear a lot. Uh, Those are two completely different games. (laughs) Uh, Don't confuse them. We are talking Outer Worlds. Outer Worlds. But I figured we should start um, talking about COD, uh, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, which both Brandon and I played a lot of this week. Mm-hmm. Um, you may remember we previously talked about this on the show when we went through the multiplayer beta that came out well, about a month ago, I want to say. Yeah, a month ago. Ish, three weeks to a month ago. Around, um, around which we came away, I'd say, very high and hopeful on. Uh, I think specifically we were all about the mechanics mm-hmm. and the tone that was coming. It was a much more realistic tone. The game uh, graphically was stunning. Um, it, it took a much slower approach to a um, a, fa- a much faster, slidey, double jumpy, wall runny Call of Duty that Jet-packy. had been. <laughs> Yeah, kind of the norm up to that point and just been going in such a ridiculous direction uh, that they were like, you know what, we're just going to wipe this leg clean, uh, suck everybody into a black hole, wait a day, and then pop out a little bit of Modern Warfare for you. (laughs) Um, So because we talked a lot and so much about the multiplayer, which really hasn't changed that much. Yeah, I still I want to talk My opinion it. of that we had already discussed previously is pre- pretty much unchanged. Um, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Um, but I still want to discuss it because now we're in now we're in the long run. Now yeah. it's not just a, a, a three day bowl of soup. It's a whole month to month to month grind of yeah. multiplayer. So I do want to touch on that. But specifically, I want to talk about the campaign. Um, there is a co-op mode. Uh, that's in Modern Warfare. We didn't get the chance to try the Spec Ops stuff, which is exclusive to PlayStation 4 for now. Uh, We're both playing on PC, uh, so we do have access to the four co-op missions that are available now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We hopped into one for a little bit with a couple friends of ours, um, but I wouldn't say we hopped in for enough time to give a valid assessment of it. Um, Personally, I don't have any questions surrounding it. A lot of my stuff stems from the campaign and the multiplayer. Yeah, okay. I'm down with that. Um, yeah. yeah, but if you do have a co-op question, I mean, feel free to throw it out there. But um, I, I, I would agree with you. I don't think we've put enough no. time to do the co-op stuff and due diligence. I definitely think we need some more uh, hours with that just to, you know, best yeah. represent it. And because based on what we played and what I've been seeing as far as uh, people's reactions to the level of difficulty, would not be surprised if that gets some kind of a, a patch in the near future, which I think would be the perfect time to jump into it and really take a good look at it. For sure. For sure. Um, So I think a lot of our discussion today is going to be surrounding the campaign mostly, uh, since that's where we've put a a significant amount of time, but uh, also chat about the multiplayer just a little bit. 
Um, so Brandon, I do want to start with you. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned before, I think it's safe to say that we both came away from the beta, which for the record was solely multiplayer based. Um, very high on this game. We were very excited. We speculated about what the campaign could possibly be about, where it could go, what it could do differently, what it can still do the same to maintain its COD status. With all that said, and our speculation from before, has the campaign lived up to that hype? And would you consider this to be a true, mature reboot of Modern Warfare as it's been touted? Um, I think it... Uh it makes good or it tries to make good on some of its promises of being more grounded and realistic, but I still think that it has one foot firmly in the classic call of duty hole. And I think that it really is just having a hard time getting that other foot out and, and really moving itself forward, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of touched upon this just in our uh, text messaging over the last, like, I don't know, two days or so. Yeah. Um, as we played through the campaign <clears throat> and uh, I think what we ultimately arrived at is probably the best description of it is it really almost feels like two separate campaigns and when it leans into either direction, it's easier to accept uh, whichever of those two directions it is. But you, know, you have on one hand, it's this big bombastic, like typical call of duty, like explosions, like, yeah, we're warriors, bro. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Like, cool right. guy. Freedom freedom fighting, uprising, helping right. the lesser rise above the hate and oppression. Yep. Um, you are, in, in, in a, you're obviously always an American in those instances. Right. And you're hoorahing as an embedded soldier overseas, um, trying to do your best to help and understand it's a very satirical take in the message that they're obviously trying to deliver is look how hard this life is in middle east which is it's a country what is it uzekistan or uzikistan uzikistan a fake country mind you a fake country love to put a pin in that for later yes we will um (laughs) but yeah and then the other side of the coin as you were mentioning yeah, the other side of the coin kind of focuses in on like the big titular character of uh, Captain Price and uh, John. Gar- no, John Garrick is somebody that I worked for. Alex? No, <laughs> not Alex. Garrick. Alex no. is the U.S. Soldier. Alex is the CIA guy. Um, I think he's just uh, Lieutenant Garrick, and uh, he's the, he's your main playable character um, when you are working with Captain Price, and they're both uh, soldiers in the British SAS, where their stuff is uh, generally kind of characterized by a, the much more serious tone. Things are, uh, I think, far more realistic, and the the missions that they are a big part of um, are generally missions that are have some basis in um, historical facts or um, recent events. Facts. Even Re- yeah, recent events, um, historical events, mm-hmm. and. Um, that side of it, it's like this slow, deliberate, um, kind of pacing, almost always markedly the very tense, um, like just, it puts you into some very sketchy situations, Mm -hmm. um, that I think really kind of speak to, um, what those type of people would actually have to deal with 
I mean, I'm sure it's not the best depiction, but I think it's more in line with what reality is compared to the um, like the U.S. Uh, side of the campaign with uh, Alex. Um, I think out of the two, so we'll put it this way: it 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 weaves the two in between each other, and you know, they the the characters from each like sub story, I guess you could say, kind of, they cross over and they they work together. Um, and in typical Call of Duty fashion, I mean, they do a pretty good job of weaving those two stories together. But I think the tone of each half is so markedly different from the other one that it's it's kind of jarring, especially when you can go from this horrendously loud mission where you're on an airfield just like taking it over and doing all this stuff and literally the next mission is like quiet is of the utmost importance and you're going slow and steady room to room in a, mm-hmm. like a very narrow townhouse um so i think that that's like a perfect way to look at the two as well as the the first missions that you play um as alex the the main uh u.s character and uh garrick the main sas character or playable character i should say um, it, it almost feels like it could be two separate games where you could play yep. one and then the other and then kind of do like the Resident Evil type of thing where, you know, they cross over it at certain points. Yep. Um, when it leans into whatever side it's trying to do, it's great. When they try to blur the lines between the two, it just it feels very disjointed. Um, right. I think- and they do start to come together towards the middle of the of the campaign they start to intertwine those characters come together in a big bombastic way um and then they really try to balance those two worlds they're really trying to give you the michael bay movie but also the but this is what actually happened in recent events type storytelling for me like i didn't necessarily dislike the michael bay kind of stuff like it very much felt like okay this is like mm-hmm. the same old call of duty so it was like on one hand it was like ah oh, this is you know something i'm familiar with like it's not out of the ordinary you know i don't have that kind of weird feeling of like oh this is new um so it felt comfortable in that regard but on the other hand i'm like well this is also the same stuff that we've had year after year for the past decade and mm-hmm. Like I said, I didn't particularly dislike it. I would have seen, would have preferred to have seen them kind of move away from that more than they had. But on the other side of that, the quiet, tense moments that they pull off where you are, you have a small option to to do one thing versus another. Um, it might be something as simple as you hear radio chatter and they're saying, you know, they're taking hostages in the subway and off to your left there's a little way to go down into the subway tubes you can absolutely go right past it or you can go down there and you'll see uh this terrorist guy that has people held at gunpoint as hostages and you can go in there and you can take him out and rescue those people Mm -hmm. or you just go just as easily right by um so lots of little choices like that which again i think are kind of um more reflective of you know the reality that we live in where you know People that are doing this line of work have to make difficult choices. And I think ultimately the reason that that type of stuff landed with me more was one, because it's different. There's not a whole lot of games that really try to do that. And two, that was what was basically promised to us. And so to bring it back around to my first statement, um, that half of the game 
I think it landed and it delivered on its promises, whereas the other half, it felt kind of dated, but it was still, you know, at the end of the day, it was still enjoyable. Yeah. Okay. Um, getting more into the campaign, I guess, um, and you can list any specific examples you want since we're chatting about it now. Um, what improvements have you noticed in your playtime? And on the flip side, uh, what do you feel this franchise still falls short on? Um, just in terms of comparing it to like previous installments? Yeah. Like, where do you think it could still use improvements, but where has it just totally pushed beyond that limit and really surprised you i think the the biggest improvements kind of come in terms of just you know the the technology that's available nowadays in terms of game development um i'm pretty sure that all of the characters are um done with mocap in some sort of way if they're not they look really good to the point where yeah (laughs) i would i would buy that those are real people um, I know it's safe to sure. say that this is graphically one of the best looking games that's come out this year in yeah. and even in the last decade. This is a gorgeous game. Mm-hmm. If photo realistic at times to the point where you were mentioning those SAS missions uh, where you're being very quiet and they're typically at night. The difference between going dark and then throwing on those night vision goggles like you feel like you're really there and it's pretty yeah. jarring at times. Yeah. Um the night vision specifically, I know that like in previous games they've had the night vision where it's basically just like, oh, full bright green filter. Like this looks like real night vision. Like if you've ever seen any kind of footage from like an actual night vision camera or taken through like a night vision device, like it looks real. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think even with um, I know both of us, we both played on PC so, and neither one of us have a ray tracing card um even without all that extra effects and stuff um it, even when you're playing it in motion like it looks like you're looking through real night vision goggles so i think just overall i guess you could, the visual fidelity obviously you know it's 10 years removed from the the original one or about um so that's come a long way um i think one of the big things that um stood out to me is uh, when they do have cutscenes, the way that they transition from the actual cutscene to like a playable segment, and even sometimes from one playable segment to the next, those transitions are like superbly done. Um, mm-hmm. it feels like you know very movie esque where it's intentional. Um, I know at the end of the the one, or the very first mission. Um, the end of the cutscene, it's coming down over top of the helicopter that your character is in. And when it goes to transition from the video to the actual game, it hides it by wiping the scene with the blade of the helicopter. And it looks so seamless as it goes into the game. Um, yeah. it, was, it was very welcome to me because it's, you know, when you go from what's obviously like a pre-rendered video to the gameplay, like it's it can be jarring. And while you could still tell can the I, difference, it, it looked can, really cool. Yeah, I just want to talk about the pre-rendered video for a minute. I was really disappointed in the pre-rendered stuff. It Same. looked really good, but compared to the in-game graphics, it, there is a night and day difference between the two. And it's I know that they have to super, have it super like desaturated and uh, yeah, it's like over bright, like it's overexposed. Yeah, you, you and really, it's, you it's really a, see it in that first mission because the. the 
whenever you go like but right in that transition space um because when you're playing like it's like middle of the night and it looks mm-hmm. way brighter in the in the video um did you have problems with the video stuttering yes and that's a known thing a lot of people had yeah. issues with that where the cinematics would just halt for no reason almost like you're kind of watching like a netflix or a hulu show and it's got to kind of catch up but then the audio sync goes off and yeah. now I'm personally kind of taken out of the moment because now I'm just looking at the technical problems. I had, to, I had to turn the subtitles on so that I could follow what was going on. Oof. Yeah. Because there, there was a point where I was like, I'm just going to wait for them to patch this. And I was just like, I really want to play this still. So I was just like, subtitles on. And I feel like, though, as I progress more in the story, like from like probably like the fourth mission or so on, it doesn't seem to be mm-hmm. as bad, but it's still like not good. It's not where it should be. It was still there i finished the campaign today and it's it's it was there up until the end i, I think what's, what's bizarre about it is if you go back and you like because you can go to like the library of cinematics and you can like mm-hmm. replay them it plays like i think A-okay. it's because it's it's loading the level in the background yeah. and, and I, that's I, what causes i think something something with the code the way that it's loading stuff in the background is just like ever so slightly off that it's just running train on the your uh mm-hmm. cpu um but anyways, um, so I think they did a really good job as far as like how they transition from one to another, um, where it falls short, like we said, um, just the way that the uh, the cutscenes look, and they're obviously pre-rendered. Um, I don't think that in this day and age that, unless it's like real actors doing stuff, I don't think there's a very good excuse to have a pre-rendered cutscene. Yeah. Um, I can only imagine how much more jarring it looks if you're playing this with like an RTX card where you have like yep. the you know realistic lighting going on. Um, so that's one way that it falls short. Um, I'm trying to think what else really stood out as is new or or needs kind of getting up to snuff. Oh, I could go on if if you need me to jump yeah, in. Yeah, throw throw me in oh, some years because that that might jog me here. My biggest gripe with Call of Duty games and their game design and their mission design is all of these. You, 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 it all goes back to lacking the freedom to do what you want to do and when you want to do it. I understand that there's a story that they're telling and they have dedicated cinematics for that. And that that's great. But even in their moment to moment gameplay, they're constantly stopping me. They're like, no, you can't go through the story yet until the radio chatter's done or the moment happens where we can open the door for you. I can't stand that stuff. It's fine every now and then. Dude, it's every single mission. Every single mission with the exception of maybe one or two standout missions. That should be the standard for Call of Duty moving forward where there's a little bit of intro to the mission where you're kind of walking around, getting your bearings, understanding the situation and the stakes and what needs to happen. And then they take the training wheels off and they kick you off the cliff and then you're on your own, pal. Go figure it out. That's what Call of Duty needs to do. The linear room to room you you have to follow a character. You can't go past them. You don't have the freedom of movement that you should. It's like because you took cover here during this firefight and not back here where we wanted you to be, we killed you because that's not where you're supposed to be technically, even though you're covered. Like somebody's going to flank you and that's where you're going to die. But I get it. There's a lot of chaotic moments, specifically uh, a level that I know you've played recently was the ambassador's house in the U S embassy level. Um, when you go to, 
um, uh, you're, you're, you're extracting a, a high value target and you're trying to keep him for extraction. Um, and you're trying to fight off a bunch of, um, for lack of a better term, infidels um, from taking him back. And it's just chaos because you're getting bum rushed from every such angle and they're calling out where you need to be and stuff. But there were moments where like, I, I just wanted to kind of sit and snipe, but they were like, no, you have to go throw a flare up. And I'm like, okay. So I go throw a flare up and then I go back to take cover. And then they're like, no, 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 throw another flare up. And I'm like, oh, okay. And it's just like, but I, I need like, it, it's just that like, they're still telling me what to do. I, I wish I could have found the, the flare on my own, or maybe they were like, you can go grab the night vision goggles and the armory, or you can throw a flare up, or you can turn the lights on on the car and we'll like, we'll spook them. Or like, I can go lay in the field and do a, do that way. Um, I, I just, I, I miss that. And yeah. I'm, 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 I'm totally fine with the roller coaster ride. I have no problem with that. But when it's like, I have to wait in line and then then sit down, then buckle up, then go on the ride. Then the ride stops at the top of the mountain and it says, look, look at everything. And then you go down into the valley and then it stops in the valley. And then you're like, oh, now look at the valley. And then it goes back up. It's more like a small world ride at Disney World yeah, versus just it, like it, a roller It is coaster. very handholdy at times where you should have the freedom to do, you know, something from an, a list of options instead of just like you always have to be the one that's doing the thing. Like you're always the one that opens the door. Everyone stacks up beside it and it's always like, okay, you're the one that's first through. Like it's never right. You stack up, you be the first guy in after I kick the door open. Um, right. And then what you were saying with the, uh, when you're defending the ambassador's house with that flare, like that mission would have been just as good if he was like, Hey, if you want to, you know, throw the flare around into the mortar, you know, it's right there. Or if you want to post up, we'll have this other random Marine that's literally just sitting here bitching the entire time. Do it instead. Right. Just a no name dude who's not part of the main story. Right. There's clearly five to eight more of them. And guess right. what? When they die, they die and, and nothing happens. You don't fail the mission. And that's fine because none of the primary protagonists are going to die with you. But like. I kind of want to be the hero. I don't want to have to be the bitch to do everybody's dirty work while yeah. Price gets to be the hero or Farrah gets to be the hero or Alex gets to be the hero. Right. Or like in the missions where like Alex and Garrick are, are, are both in the mission together, let me choose if I want to be Alex and then or let me choose if I want to be Garrick and then I get to right. do two totally different mm -hmm. things. Like one guy's up on the roof sniping while the other one's driving a car around the perimeter and or like in the back of the machine gun like... Taking right. out dudes. There's so totally much more agree. that they could do than just the 2007 walk here, do this thing, walk there, do that thing. Now walk here, do this thing, but don't walk too fast because somebody's here. And like, I, I don't know. It just seems like outdated design. And I feel like as it's 2019, we are so far beyond that. Yeah. In my opinion, I, I feel like there, there are a lot of things that are very dated like that. And then I think there's a lot of stuff that they are doing that kind of is a step in the right direction. Um, biggest example yeah. I can think of of that is in previous games, like when you had an objective, it was marked and it was just that little floating bobble and you could always see it on the peripheries of your screen and mm -hmm. you had to go to it. In this, you very deliberately have to hit 
uh, and on PC it's tab. I'm sure it's probably like the uh, the touchpad the, on PlayStation. The touchpad on the PlayStation. Uh, in yeah. order to see that marker, so they're trying trying to move away from just the following the blip on the screen type of thing. Um, but there are still some situations where they're telling you to do something that's like highly specific, but yet vague enough where you're like. What am I supposed to be doing? Like when he was like, "Yeah, throw the flare up." I'm like, "Okay, I'm looking for like a road flare or like mm-hmm. a flare gun," and I'm looking over here, and then I was like, "Well, there's a mortar tube over there. That's for blowing people up, right?" And then I hit tab. I'm like, "Oh, we're this is how we're okay." But just I think there's a lot of moments like that, and we kind of touched upon this in our uh, conversations earlier, where they make just some really bizarre decisions as far as like, we're going to have this happen and it's going to make it so much more extreme or it's going to make you feel like you're doing something where like, no, you, you don't have to like in the beginning of that embassy mission, just yes. like you said, the helicopter crashes and there's this big thing where it's like, Oh man, you got to press W to crawl out of the side of the helicopter and oh, you're grabbing on the rope and the rope just so happens to fling you on the top of the building you were trying to get on top of anyways. Couldn't we have just landed and then as the helicopter is flying away, get shot down and we're like, oh, now it's urgent because yeah, that was our now ride we're out stuck. of here. Yeah, now we're stuck behind enemy Stakes lines. Stakes are exactly like, the same. Right. The only difference with that gameplay wise would be that you wouldn't lose your gun. Right. And it's it's not a quick time event, but it's still an event where just because it's in first person and it happened and I'm the guy that's being flung from the explosion or I'm crawling out from under the car because it's what you want me to do in that scenario to have that cinematic moment. It's it's not it's not as impactful as you think it is just because I'm seeing it happen in the perspective. I have no control over what's happening. It's just happening. Yeah. It's not a moment that I made for myself. Now, that's not to say that this game doesn't have missions that enable me to do that and have my own moments. There is there are two missions in this in this campaign that are phenomenal and they allow me the freedom to do what I want, when I want and how I want to do it and because of that I have my own stories to tell from those missions. Mm -hmm. Now, it may not be that way and they may still be linear, but damn it, it sure felt like I was making those decisions myself. Yeah, and I think that is is a sign of good game design. If they get you to do what they want you to do, but they make you think that you were the one that came up with it. Right. They're still they're still telling that narrative from the path they want you to go down, but it doesn't feel like they're like, just go, just go this way pushing you down that path you go here you stand here you wait for price to come through and look awesome opening that door and you just watch him just watch him open that door don't touch the handle no it's locked it's locked and then price comes in he's just like okay let's go like that that's the kind of stuff happens all the time in this game and And you don't notice it it in the moment but in talking to you and I'm thinking back on this stuff, I'm like, yeah, there is really a lot of like, it's, it's every, it's stupid stuff like that. It's every mission. And even in the stuff that we are, we praised earlier with, um, the lean into the realism, the lean into the British SAS and how they tactically, you know, they, they find a group of people that they've been hunting down in a townhouse. So they, they go dark and they throw the night vision on and they're sneaking in and it's, it's each door is a breach and clear. Even in a mission like that where you're like, oh, this feels different. It's not 
explosions everywhere and everybody's yelling and like it's not norm it's not d-day on normandy beach it's it's quiet tactical think about it even in a mission like that you could have given me freedom to the townhouse and i want to be the guy leading the group i want to be captain price i don't want to be the guy under captain price lieutenant garrick and have to be the guy that after price opens a door and somebody else opens the door price goes okay you open that door that's your door over there and then i do that and it's just one scenario where it's like here's four doors and a hallway and a staircase you got to clear everything go through it as you want you pick your door and the other four guys in the stack will take up the other ones yeah or like i'm like hey you station here and then you station here and then treat it like an actual breach and clear put a snake cam under the door try to see who's under there there is a snake cam in this game i confirmed why can't i use it in in other scenarios and be like okay i'm gonna position one guy here and one guy here and leave it be more tactical and not so much of a cinematic car ride it's just it's frustrating because there's moments in this game that speak volumes of oh this is the way that this genre should go moving forward and you will know it when you play it and you will come back to me and say i did it yes this is why it should be this way why wasn't the whole game this you know why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box it's it's that concept (laughs) i'd like to think that this is kind of like a half step towards you know the big changes that we want. And I know that there's other people that really are like liking these missions. Um, I think the biggest indicator to that is the ones that do lean into the, like the realistic stuff are across the board, like pretty stellar. Um, Like the night vision one, as much as you are kind of limited to what you do, man, just the, the tension in that whole thing. And then just having to, decide do i just immediately run in there and shoot people or do i wait for the gun to pop up um it kind of puts you in that mindset of someone that would actually do that and it's a nice breath of fresh air and uh you know just in contrast to just explosions everywhere and and, you know the typical call of duty stuff that you think of well i don't know if you noticed it but that's the only mission where there's no music no music plays throughout that whole mission. I did not notice that. It is dead silence. Yeah. All you hear are the footsteps, the people talking in the townhouse, mm-hmm. and like the the further you get up the stairs, because it's a four level, it's a four story townhouse. Mm-hmm. It, it gets more and more chaotic because people are realizing what's happening. Right as you go. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it, that alone is building so much more tension than. it's ridiculous right for that reason alone like 99 percent of the game i'll give that one a a hard you know an easy pass on the the linearity of it just for how well it set everything else up yeah um the other mission that i really liked that was more it's probably the best of the like big crazy explosion levels that i that i've played so far which is consequently like the last one i played and i think it puts me probably about halfway through um was the the embassy the whole embassy sequence um super mm-hmm. chaotic there's just like tons of stuff going on basically the embassy is getting stormed and you're trying to get this high value target out um it felt very claustrophobic because you're going through like all these offices and corridors and there's just like guys like, you know, literally driving vehicles through the walls. Um, there's an awesome sequence where you have to guide someone through, uh, the enemies that are patrolling the area using, uh, video surveillance cameras. And then the finale of it 
is basically like taking the movie 13 hours and it's basically the movie and everything except for having John Krasinski and Roy from the office right next to Mm -hmm. you. Um, I thought that was really cool. I think as far as the like typical call of duty levels go, I think that one for me thus far has been the most interesting um, on like that half of the, of the coin, so to speak. And I think the reason that it's so good is because it's based on something real. Um, so even though it was kind of crazy, it still had just enough of that thread of truth where they were trying to portray something with a degree of accuracy. Cause you know, I'm, it's still clearly over the top, but the, it was just grounded enough that it didn't feel um, super out of place. Yeah. Um, I think the game needs more moments like the ambassador level because we don't we didn't really talk about it. There's three specific moments, at least up until where you are. I don't want to spoil the rest of the game, but there's three moments. I wish each major set piece had a moment like this where um, there's the moments when you're taking back the air hanger um, and you are uh, flying the RC planes with C4 on them. Which was and, such a cool idea. Right. It's so cool because you're still doing the Call of Duty run and gun, rootin' tootin', cowboy shooting everybody overseas because we're on sand and everybody's bad who <laughs> lives on sand and dirt, apparently. Uh, that's a whole other thing we'll talk about. But um, it had these cool moments where you'd be able to like get in cover after a while and they'd be like, all right, another RC plane's ready to go. And you'd be able to handheld fly on like a little iPad. Yeah an RC plane and it puts like a GoPro style camera below an RC car where you can see the C4 blinking and then you can control where it goes on the map because you're trying to push forward into the air hangar. And that's so cool because remember when the commercials came out for the game and they had all those night vision GoPro videos that Mm -hmm. you were like, wait, were these actually taken from like Benghazi? And you're like, no, that's just like, that's just the game. And you're like, Give me more of that. That looks real. <laughs> then they had the moment when um, the the chopper comes in at the hangar, and then you get to take over as the pilot, and then so you get good. to just that, that was like whenever you go into the uh, AC one thirty in Modern Warfare yeah. when you cover the fire team. Exactly the same. Super. And then fun. they had that moment in the embassy where um, you're trying to help the ambassador get out because he has a key card that you need to move forward, but he dies, and his assistant grabs it and then you're you're talking to her over a phone to help her guide through the and you're like jumping from security camera to security camera saying go to this cover go to that cover and it's not just pick the next cover to go to when somebody's not looking there's a bunch of different options she can go anywhere it's Mm -hmm. gives you a little bit of that freedom and if she gets caught she's shot and that's it you can't progress and you have to start all over again Mm -hmm. and it needs it needs more moments like that to break it up, but where you're still interacting. That's right. a moment where you can build cinematic tension and have big moments and be like, oh, but I did that. Like, I got us out of the embassy because I did that. It doesn't have to be a five-second or ten-second explosion flipping them out and I, the propeller barely grazes my chin, but, like, cuts <laughs> off the facial hair moment. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, yeah. I didn't do any of that, and that was totally unnecessary, but thank you for that. <laughs> I don't know. I still think it's got one, like it takes one big step forward mechanically, tonally, and um, uh, graphically, especially. Yeah. But it's got this, this left foot is still stuck in, in this mud of 
Fast and the Furious, 80s, 90s action, um, you know, Michael Bay, like Bad Boys 2. Like you, you just can't. It, it's like somebody was like, here's and I have a theory about this whole thing about where the franchise is going and why based on this campaign. And I, I would like to talk about it at some point when you finish, because mm-hmm. I think it's worth finishing it out for yourself, seeing where all this goes and how that story unfolds. Cause the things we're talking about aren't even the story of the game. And I don't want to ruin that for people, but I found it very hard to have stakes and care about what's happening. Cause the things that's trying to pull heartstrings on, I feel are like what a frat boy in college is like, what makes me sad? This makes me sad. And wh- <laughs> you have a mom that makes me sad. If something happens to her, and then what about your dad? Your that mom's name is Martha sad. too. Oh, now we're friends. Right. It's that kind of stuff. Like yeah. it's like very blanket statement. Like okay, what makes people sad? Moms and dads. Uh, you lost toys. Um, your brother or your sister. Um, oh, well, this game's about family. Got it. They yeah. just ran with it. And I was like, but there's so much more to be said low-hanging fruit oh my god especially with the political climate we're in today there's so much that can be said and done with this game and yet we're still leaning into the shoot the sand people because they're darker than us and they're yelling and they're they're aiming their guns at us and because they and those guys that speak a foreign language and are definitely from russia remember ussr that was bad let's shoot those guys too (laughs) there's so much more that we can explore and it's always USA, hoorah, high five, that was awesome, but wait, you're supposed to care about a family thing, but wait, how awesome was that thing? Let's like fist bump about it. It's like, where where are you trying to go? There's no balance. Like you said, it's two totally different campaigns that figure eight every once in a while until they just come to a head at the end and just really just explode from the headbutt that happens. Yeah, And you're like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel, but you're trying to tell me at every juncture how to feel. And I don't feel that way. I think a big reason that this game is the way that it is in that regard is I think that they're so desperately trying to cling on to the people that have bought the game perennially while still trying to reach out with the other hand and grab all the people that either have not been interested in all or used to be interested and were put off by like the slidey crouchy, you know, uh, wall runniness of it. And they're mm-hmm. just trying to take these two sides and they're just trying to captain America them together when mm-hmm. really they need to just kind of pick one and lean into it because when they lean into those two perspectives of how this game should be, it lands because it has you know, a good focus. I think that's ultimately how you can sum up this game is it's, it has a very split focus in what it's trying to say. And it doesn't, because of that, it doesn't say either side very well. Right. I agree with that. And maybe not to just keep hijacking all the questions, but it does go (laughs) well into my third question, which I I just want to state for the record, you know, the views of the we expressed on the games and that podcast are not, you know, the views of those that we're talking about. And I don't want to get political here and I don't want to, you know, create uh, any kind of agenda here, but I think it's worth talking about this. I mentioned it briefly about how we view enemies in the game and, and, you know, USA yay and everybody else beyond the Pacific and Atlantic boo. Um, 
say what you will about the validity of sites like Metacritic and Rotten Tomato and stuff, but um, as of this recording, Modern Warfare has been getting review bombed bad on Metacritic, especially uh, for the game's quote unquote democratic representation of enemies and war and specifically the Russians. Um, a lot of Russians have gone to Metacritic and bombed this for their portrayal in the game and how it's just like we're always the bad guys and you know because of Putin and because of this and you know we were just I guess we're always going to be the ones who are shipping the weapons and always be the ones at the end of the day we're, we're the bad henchmen. Right. Um Brandon, how do you feel about these concerns? Are they are they valid? Are they accurate? Well, you, why or so, why not? So number 1 um I guess the, I might be able to answer this myself uh, is you know what where was the outrage for the other games where the Russians were the bad guys? Where is the outrage for every action movie where the bad guys are Russian? Um I I think that just jumping the gun like that and immediately being angry because you heard something or read something on the internet, I think that's stupid and I think that's just a big issue with just the way that things are today. Um, if you play the game and you have the context, it it's a lot less cut and dry than it seems. Um, I haven't played the specific mission that's really kind of like the, the fulcrum of this issue. I think it's actually the next mission. Um, but the basic idea is that there was this, uh, they call it the Highway of Death, I think, mm-hmm. real thing. Um, and it was basically a, a spot in... I think Iraq that people were trying to flee and I guess there was some bad guys in there or something and, and I'm probably butchering the story but regardless um it's a place where like real legitimate war crimes were con- committed by the United States and I believe its allies um and in the game they kind of you know paper over that and say that this is something that the Russians did in in this game universe um without really like they don't show it they just say that the character has to escape on the highway of death and they basically say that it was bombed by the russians and that's from my understanding pretty much all they say about it well it's also important to mention that the u.s department of defense does work with the developers of these games to ensure that how the u.s is represented as an entity, as a defense mechanism, as you know, in the military, whatever it is, um, they make sure that that image isn't um, put into question. So a lot of things might get glossed over. A lot of things might get um, sugarcoated a bit, to say the least. Uh, yeah. But just keep that in mind. That that is that is a fact. That is mm-hmm. that has been proven. Right. Well, t- before I progress with that to address that directly um i think that sugarcoating stuff like that historical facts like personally i think that's bs that they do that um like if you did it you did it flat out um and i think for the developers like if you know that something happened one way and your consultants that are there for accuracy or whatever that are giving you their input on the contingency that their 
entity that they're a representative of is being portrayed in a certain light that might be disingenuous to how things actually went down. I think that it's incumbent upon the developers to kind of take a step back and say, hmm, this isn't true. Or this is, if, it's, if, it's, if it's something small, like, okay, if we can brush under the rug and it's something minor, fine. If it's something like this where it's an obvious, you know, bad thing that quote unquote good people did, um, I think it's incumbent upon them to kind of take the step back and say, this is something that's egregious enough of a difference that we probably should not use this as the backdrop. Pick something else. You know, right or make something up make something up you make up your you didn't own use world. a real middle eastern country you made that up why right. did you have to make like literally like if you'd google highway of death like the actual thing comes up like you could have called it something else to at least throw the scent off of it um so to that perspective of it i think the censorship or the um the alteration of it like i get you know the whole history is written in the words of the victors type of thing mm-hmm Regardless of where you stand on that, some things are facts, some things are not facts, and you know, I think that they, they could if they had other options, they could have thought of other options. They're creative people. They made this big, you know, fantastic world uh, in game space. Like it would yep. have been super they easy what, for them to just what take that saying. a different route. Yeah, um, they knew not, what they were saying, right? And like, I don't know, I, that that part of it, I think that's kind of slimy that they did do it. Um, but at the same time, my opinion on review bombings also kind of weighs into this. And that is like, if you don't, if you don't actually play the game, you don't have the context, whatever your opinion on the game is, if you haven't played it, I don't care what your opinion is. If you haven't played it flat out, don't care what you have to say. See ya. Um, just like on Amazon, when you get a package or when you, when you get something and you put a review on it, it'll say, whether or not you actually order that item. Um, I know, you know, people on Amazon, like we said, they'll, they'll put dumb stuff on there. Like I didn't get my package in three days. Like it was advertised one star. Like that's not an accurate reflection of the product. Just like saying, I have beef with how this group is portrayed. Therefore everything else about this game is garbage. Mm-hmm. not accurate it's not an accurate review i get that that's a way that people think that they uh, one of the only avenues they have to have any say about something because they're hurting the bottom line totally get it but I, I don't agree with it because i think in most of these games that get review bombed um the it's specifically just to hurt the bottom line it's like not a critical eye on anything it's just taking it down to take it down and I, I just I disagree with that I think it's an abuse of what Metacritic is actually set up for um, and I think that's why you have things like the graph on Steam where it'll show you like hey in this time period we had a crap ton of uh, bad reviews so you can say huh what's going on with Call of Duty in October you know 2019 oh people didn't like that because you know this totally extraneous thing happened um, right. The fact that Steam has that in there, I think, right there says it all. That you know, review bombing is—it's a—I don't know—it's a—it's irrelevant to the actual quality of the game. Now, if you're reviewing it and saying, "I didn't like this mechanic, that thing, blah blah blah," also didn't like their portrayal, and you give it a lower rating, 
more validity to it. Show, show me that you actually played the game, you have the full context of it, and then once that you, I, you know, you've kind of vetted yourself as someone that has played it and has the context, mm-hmm. dude, spill your guts. But again, if you haven't played it, could not care less about what your right. opinion is. I agree with that. I But I, I do think there's something to be said about the way that these games represent the two sides of war, if you want to call it that, um, and the the stance that you're taking and the stance that they're taking and who they are and who they represent and how topical that is, the satire of it all. I think there's something to be said about that because I can't I can't play another game where I have to shoot Middle Easterns or I have to shoot Russians or whoever they decide is the bad guy this time and for whatever reason why now I will say the game having finished the campaign does give good context and it's it's not a blanket statement of these people are bad because XYZ I mean the whole group that you make up and the whole unit that you make up is two guys two Englishmen uh, a USA CIA agent who's embedded in um, overseas and then um, an Arab woman and that is your group so there's inclusion in there and they're not they're not making that blatant that that blatant obvious blanket statement of if you're darker than white you're bad if you live on our soil you're great um and i know that it's just um picking out and choosing your enemies where it's just because this one person influenced these mass people they're following in his footsteps to a cult-like following and status that's your enemy they just happen to not live on your shore that's fine i get it i know what you're trying to say but it's it's in kind of it, it's in a way that it's like somebody from activision is sitting next to me and like aggressively winking and nudging like huh you, you get that part? Did you see? Huh? Did you see that? Do you know what I'm saying? I think you, there's a more clever way to do it. And like you said, if you're going to go that route, stick to that lane. You don't have to jump back and forth from we made this up to this is taken from actual fact. I know that you want to pepper in reality and go or is there's war sucks and this is bad. And but, you know, we'll always come out on top because we're shooting more people than they're shooting. And it's it's. There's so much more to stay of say about that and represent in that way, but that doesn't make a good Michael Bay film. Fast and Furious is a high-grossing franchise for a reason, and I get why they do what they do to appeal to the wider audience. Yeah, um, I just think poo-pooing over that stuff. Maybe it's my age. Maybe it's having played all the games before. But it's like, why does everybody I shoot have to not speak English? Why does everybody that I come in contact with have to be some foreign entity that has my worst interests at heart? Well, like, I mean, I'm also not doing a great thing. I think I'm not saying that you're wrong necessarily, but like when you think about war, like more often than not, you're fighting against somebody that's like not part of your country. So like I right. get it from that perspective. Um, I think the, the reason that it's always the same, uh, archetype of enemies, whether it's, you know, people from the Middle East or Russians, um, I think it's more of a reflection of, you know, the status quo of the world and less a reflection of like the values of 
the company or, or our country. Because like when you think of it, where have we been embroiled in for the last, I don't know, it's been probably at least 20, 25 years. It's oh, yeah. been the Middle East. So like, yeah, it's top. I, totally I get it. Mm-hmm. I, it's a difficult line to tread. Um, I think that Ghost Recon really ran into this problem head on. Um, they set wildlands in Bolivia, a real country, and their uh, enemies were all like, they basically said it was a Mexican drug cartel. And the same kind of thing happened where Mexicans were like, this is an unfair portrayal, blah, 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 blah. And then we get Breakpoint where it's a fictional island the people that you're fighting against aren't from a different country. They are U.S. soldiers. And one of the big complaints I see about the the message that that story is trying to sell is that, like, it's just, like, not that believable. Um, so I, I think flat out, no matter which way you do it, whether it's a fake country with, you know, uh, homogenous people to your protagonist or... Uh, something realistic where it's people that are speaking a different language or a different color from your protagonist, no matter how you slice it, somebody's not going to be happy with it. Whether it's people that want the realism or the people that it's damned. If you do damned, if you don't, I get that. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know what the, the solution is, I guess is what I'm trying to get at because I can see where like you would want things to be different and move forward. But I can also see where when you get, too far off of you know a basis in reality and like where does the line of reality get drawn and it's just it's a quagmire no i i get it it's just in my own personal views and i guess i should go on record and say i i don't i don't flock to the military shooter genre it's not fun for me especially from a campaign standpoint where they're telling a story and doing something if it's like tactical espionage i'm very interested in that stuff Mm -hmm. that i find fun in but when it's just your typical running in the sand shooting infidel it it just that doesn't speak to me because that is very topical to me and it is a, a heavy satire and it making a game like that to me doesn't move that conversation forward and I don't know how you do that. Otherwise, I feel like somebody may have done that. But yeah, I, I it just makes me feel like that's that's the view. So that's what we do. I just don't necessarily agree with it. And again, I, that's my opinion. It, that's not and fact. I totally I, respect that opinion. I totally get that. That's just not that's just not where I am. To me, that's not fun. I don't want to shoot somebody just because somebody ordered me to or I was told to. And there's a bunch of games that do that i totally get that and i'm probably being a hypocrite to something that i've played in the past where i just spoke so highly of it i get it um i don't know but when it feels real and it's taking from actual events and it's a comment on society as a whole today that just sits with me and it it, it, it stirs those questions in me i think as it should and it should for anybody um Again, I don't mean to get political and, you know, pull our troops, deploy our troops. However you feel, that's your prerogative. That's why you live in 
US and if you're overseas and you do that thing, that's totally cool for you too. Um, that's just how I feel. That's how these types of games sit with me. And it always sparks the same conversation in my head of, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Should I be enjoying this? Is this, what, what would make this more fantastical and less, you know, less uh, oppressive to other people? Um, and I think I mentioned to you in our conversations earlier that when Call of Duty does lean into that fantastical, I have a lot of fun with it. Like all the Black Ops stuff, mm-hmm. like where it starts to get more conspiracy, tactical, espionage, all that stuff, tinfoil hats, the government conspiracies. That stuff is very interesting because we all know it's a farce and we have, and I can have fun with that and I can kind of turn my brain off and, and go for it. But in there's a very specific moment in this game where I have to... I'm not told whether or not to do something, but somebody puts a loaded gun in my hand and has me make a choice. And it's a very gray area where I don't know what to do. And it sparks a lot of feelings in me that I don't necessarily have, or maybe avoid to a certain degree, because that's just the kind of person I am. And these aren't the types of things that I flock to. Um, It sits with me and I think about it a lot. Um, And I don't know it's not that I didn't enjoy the campaign. I, I had my fun with it, um, but I w- probably wouldn't go back to it. And I think that there's more that it could have done and more that it can do. But to kind of still have that back foot in the mud and still kind of trudge in that area, it just makes me feel like we're not doing anything to move forward. And we're still trying to play uh, to that audience that still feels that way. Yeah, I think I think the big issue with it is that like you said that back foot that's still stuck in the mud um if if they would have come out and said like hey this is just a reboot of the series just to kind of bring it up to modern standards i think that a lot of the more controversial stuff like that wouldn't feel uh it wouldn't stand out as much Mm -hmm. but because they've gone on record saying like oh this is going to be more realistic and da 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 um, I think that's what really makes everything stand out that much more because on one hand you have a story that's trying trying and on in some respects it does land where it's trying to portray, portray like you know the gray areas but those gray areas that they're showing and like these hard situations really just lose their punch when it's preceded by or you know punctuated with all of the Oorah, blow them up, Rudy Tooty, point and shooty type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think again, we just keep coming back to the same thing. Um, it, it's in two distinct lanes, and it needs to pick one or the other. Just it needs to f- figure out what it wants to say, whether that's to lean into the you know the classic Call of Duty where it's everything's glorified, and then at least the, in that regard, you'd know exactly what you're getting into. Or it needs to move away from that and try to be a little more serious and maybe be a little more introspective of itself and uh, just, again, kind of portray that realism, the gray areas, and and make you think. And I think the fact that we're having um, this type of conversation where we're talking about these things that are, you know, borderline and sometimes like very firmly uh, rooted in in politics and our worldviews and things like that, um, while it might not be the best commentary on it it's getting us thinking about these tough topics um yep. so i think to that 
and it is a success on that front but it definitely doesn't get there in the most elegant way much like my entire last <laughs> sentence in, or several <laughs> yeah um yeah that, that's I think that's fair. And again, these are just our opinions, right? It, you know, you can you're more than welcome to be entitled to feel the way the, and, and entitled to feel the way you want to feel. That's just how I feel. That's how Brandon feels. Yeah. We respect that about each other. That's right. That's why we're friends. We can yep. have adult discussions and then not, you know, dwell on them because it, <laughs> right. I've wow, just real close to just slipping into a conversational f bomb. Um, it's just a freaking game <laughs> at the end of the day. It is. I just, when it comes to stuff like this, it's, it's a trigger and it's hard to turn that part of my brain off. And that uh, you're, just, you're a better just, person for that because you, well, you know, look at it through yeah, that lens. Up for, up for debate. <laughs> but at least we know you're not a sociopath. So, I mean, that's, that's a definite. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you have any questions about COD? Um, not really. I kind of figured that uh, we'd be able to, since we had played, both both of us had played so much of it that we'd be pretty easy to just kind of play off of everything. So I don't have yeah. anything specific. I think pretty much anything I would have brought up, we, we brought up in one form or another anyways. Yeah, I agree. Um, so Outer Worlds, Andrew. Outer Worlds. Um, I have not yet played Outer Worlds. You've how, About how much time have you put into Outer Worlds thus far? I would say definitely 10 to 15 hours. So probably about, I think the game's about 40 hours if you do all the things it wants you to do and maybe then some. Okay. So I'd say probably say I'm about a third of the way through. Cool. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty good chunk of game time there. Um, so before oh, yeah. we just kind of, we move into more specific stuff while also remaining nebulous enough so as to not spoil um give us the setup what's like your you know your short too long didn't read description of the game you are a uh cryogenically frozen colonist on the spaceship known as the hope and a fugitive outlaw named phineas wells uh boards the hope and finds you randomly uh, so you are like the created character in this world. Mm -hmm. And his hope is that you will help him heh, hope uh, that you will help him um, revive all the colonists and bring back order to the um, the uh, galaxy that you are um, a part of that has been taken over by an entity known as the board, where a lot of the colonies and planets um that are uh, that are inhabited by these colonies um or that i should say inhabit these colonies or inhabit these planets um are t are basically corporations that have taken over and everybody is treated as a spoke in the wheel a a cog in the moving bigger machine rather than an actual person with rights and freedom of speech and thought etc um, it's very interesting, very intriguing, but you play as this individual um, who has been frozen for some time. Phineas uh, launches you in an escape pod down to Terra 2, which is a very Earth-like planet, and your adventure ensues from there to try to figure out 
the state of the galaxy, what's happening, um, who's in charge of what, and along the way you meet a bunch of crazy people, companions, uh, deadly enemies, weird creatures. Um, it's very much a space epic. I would say very akin to uh, a Mass Effect or a Space Quest, if you're a Sierra nut, uh, one of those types of games. Nice. Um, so it is from Obsidian, the developers of uh, Fallout New Vegas. Mm-hmm. I think the the most easily made parallel here is that it's it's like Fallout in space. Agree? Disagree? I agree. Um, and that's what I was expecting, and that's why I got this game. Um, I should say I'm playing via Xbox Game Pass on PC, mm-hmm. uh, which I was able to get for $1 to try a monthly trial. So if you are interested in this game and you haven't tried it and you have an Xbox or a PC, uh, you can get a trial for a dollar and play Outer Worlds, which I think is well worth more than a dollar. Yeah, for a dollar, personally. for sure. And, um, uh, but I actually also found out today, listening to another podcast and clarifying this from my own experience, um, Taco Bell, they have like their old $5 box daily. Um, mm-hmm. If you get that, if you order the box online, not in person, mm-hmm. found that out the hard way. Um, if you order it online, they will email you with um, a code or a link to redeem two free weeks of Game Pass. Oh, so you get food and you, yep. you get Games Pass. Get some grub and you get Game Pass for five bucks. Dude, that, that's a no-brainer for me. Yeah, not a sponsor. but No. <laughs> no, but if you want to send me cheesy gorditas, go for it. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> but to answer your question, I was surprised because when I started playing the game, I was like, this is going to be Fallout because it's Obsidian and this is like going to be their spiritual predecessor or slash successor to their fallout games and fallout new vegas specifically Mm -hmm. uh but it's way more mass effect than i thought it was going to be it has a lot of the fallout stuff where you're talking to people more so let's say fallout new vegas stuff where Mm -hmm. there's much more dialogue options there's much more um freedom of choice to how you want to go about doing certain missions and depending on who you talk to and where you investigate and how you go about your business depends on ultimately how you are successful or lack thereof. Um, But it's so mass effect to the point where I I just, I love the idea of those two mixed together. It's Reddit gaming posts. That's like, please just make fallout mass (laughs) effect and just make them go together. And then I'll throw the fry, throw my, take all my money gif at you. (laughs) Like it's that, um, there's a lot of companion stuff in this game and it plays exactly like mass effect where they each have their own story arcs and Mm -hmm. side quests that you can do. Um, you're choosing who your companions are when you're leaving your, um, ship, which is like your hub area. Um, it's called the unreliable, I won't spoil how you come into getting the ship, but I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like your hub world. So you're always on your ship. You can talk to your crew. They have their own interactive moments together. Um, every now and then, sometimes they'll be getting a two guys, two characters will be getting a drink together. Um, or like one will be having an argument with the other about politics or religion. Um, and you can kind of sit in on those and interact with them that way. And it doesn't, 
progress the story any further. It doesn't do anything um, viable to the campaign, but it does a lot of world building and it does a lot of um, what I loved about Mass Effect, which was building relationships with your companions and bringing together a very um, unlike-minded group of um, freaks and geeks, so to speak, that come together for one cause and that's under your um, reign, whatever that may be. Um, and I found that very interesting and very engaging, much more than any Fallout game has had with me and companions in the past. And it's a big focal point of this game. And that's where I've spent a lot of my time so far, just doing those companion side quests and figuring those things out as I organically unlock other planets and other landing stations and stuff. Um, I've had a lot of fun with that. But yeah, it definitely has a lot of the Fallout stuff of managing your inventory and your weapon pickups and like modding your weapons. Um, but it doesn't have all the Fallout 4 stuff in it, like mm-hmm. your base building, your um, farming, your communities, your all that stuff. It's basically RPG light in that it is a smaller, self-contained world, much like a Mass Effect, where you're traveling from small open world to small open world, mm-hmm. and sometimes like contained units like other jump ships, other relays, communication stations, you know, stuff like that versus just landing on a planet and having like a big open area to explore, which makes for a much smaller game, but a much more dense game because the areas that you're in, I can go in every building and guess what? I don't have to load every time I open a door. It just (laughs) opens and I can just go in the building and like explore it. It's awesome. Nice. Um, so do you, uh, like, is there a character creation just like you would find? There in, is. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's very robust. Nice. So you can, you, you can make yourself pretty, pretty closely. Yeah. It's definitely not. Um, I wouldn't say it's like, like, a, like a Bethesda Skyrim level where there's like a bunch of different races and stuff to choose from. Yeah. It's basically your male or female. Mm-hmm. Cause you're definitely always going to be human. Um, I haven't run into any alien races yet. It's so far it's just been like humans inhabiting like a like a different planets with all the aliens are typically like foreign monsters or pets or whatever it may yeah. be. Um so but yeah, there is a pretty very grounded in that regard. Yeah. There's a very robust character creator in that regard though. Nice. Um system wise, so like my my biggest point of comparison I guess is going to be fallout new vegas and it's like that's probably the the closest thing that uh you know this developer has made um so mechanically um are there any systems that are basically like lifted one-to-one from new vegas if so what are they um i would say the dialogue system is the biggest thing that's going to be like one for one when you're talking to somebody and it like zooms in on their face and it like gives you your options for answer where it lists out the whole answer and not just like good answer, bad answer, mm-hmm. okay answer, intimidating answer. Like uh, depending on where your perks are in your skill trees and your character stats, um, you will be able to have certain dialogue options open. Like if you can persuade somebody to do something or maybe you have enough of an engineering skill to fix a certain robot to help it do something versus just destroying it. Um, if you're scientific enough or medical enough to heal somebody, if they're wounded in their conversation, um, 
I find the persuasion to be the big thing here because you're not necessarily intimidating people and being an outright dick, Mm -hmm. but you're more or less like kind of listening to them and thus giving a proper response to kind of help propel them forward. Um, And this game is not in any way, shape or form like this is the good thing to do. This is the bad thing to do. Much like Obsidian is known for, everything is just rooted in gray. And there's just like, it's not good if you do this thing and bad if you do this thing or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more or less like you can kill these 400 puppies and save these 400 kittens or you can kill these 400 kittens and then save these 400 puppies and you're like oh well can i do neither and it's like no you have the trigger in your hand you pull it now why somebody's gonna pull a gun to your head like what if they just killed me and it's like well then game over (laughs) so do you think would you would you say that like those choices (laughs) like that like are you are you seeing a big impact in the game world from the choices that you make dude one of the first ones that it gives you there's two big ones that come right off that mm-hmm. and not to spoil anything, but like one of the very first things you can do when Phineas Wells, the, the outlaw uh, drops you out of the ship and you land on the planet. One of the very first things you do is you run into a guard of the planet. That's like, we just saw an unidentified escape pod drop. Was that you? You weren't cleared for landing. What's going on? The first thing you can do is tell them, I know where Phineas Wells is. <laughs> and that changes the whole game because you're basically now side with the board and are basically like they're just like well here's like five million credits go to town like <laughs> and then you just turn him in and that whole story arc which is the main story of the game is just gone wow so you can that's do that huge. right up jump street that, that's like in uh far cry when you can just wait at the table kind of yeah <laughs> but there's still but there's a whole nother game to play as like mm-hmm. and like working your way up the board and stuff but i didn't do that because that's just how i wanted to play the game out right and then one of the first decisions that comes after that so you run into a colony and then there's a big decision to make about that colony based on events in a quest um and i knew exactly what i wanted to do i went yeah F those guys. I know exactly what I'm going to do because they did X, Y, Z. And this is a clear cut decision. No brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, I went up to like hit the button to do it. And my companion was like, well, actually, have you thought about it this way? I mean, if you hit that button, here's what's going to happen. And here's what the ramifications are going to be just from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, damn it. She's right. Well, I can't <laughs> hit this button. But wait, I hate, the, I know, no, I hate these people because I, I want to hit the button and I know exactly, but if I hit the button, then that's going to think. And then I sat there for no joke, 10 minutes and just went back and forth. Well, what's going to happen if I hit this button? Clearly all these things are going to happen. But if I don't hit this button, then all of these other things are just going to happen. <laughs> and I was like, but then like, I don't want to lose any reputation with my companion based on the decisions I've made. But even though she's going to follow me regardless, like it just, there was so much that took that to take into account and the weight of those decisions, they aren't immediate and all the time, but when they hit you, they hit you at major plot points and they always progress the game forward. And when that happens, it changes the landscape of the game. So it's pretty like, so whenever, the ramifications of your decisions are 
made apparent whether that's so we, if there it's if it's immediate change like it's it's obvious but uh if it's something down the line um is it something that you can very easily be like oh yep that's because i did this mm-hmm. or it's it's obvious absolutely that, nice and the the thing is the decision that i made i stood by and i was like nope i'm, I'm gonna do this and this is the decision i'm gonna make like down the road in the game my companion would always refer back to that moment and be and think back on it and just like our scouring of the of the other planets and the other towns and uh npcs would always bring it up in conversation so the thing just like mass effect when you're talking to to an npc if you have a certain companion with you sometimes they have things to chime in on on what's happening and what's cool is the npc will actually like look at that person and talk to them and then they'll have a conversation and then the companion will look back at you and say Mm -hmm. something Whereas, like, th- that rarely ever happened in Fallout. Happened a lot in Mass Effect. Yeah. Um, but it was just a nice little touch. The- also, graphically, this game is gorgeous. And the character models that they use for the people is a very welcome change to the Fallout-style game. They look like real people. They don't look like dirt balls who haven't <laughs> showered in two days. And it's not just these random, ugly-ass, like, character creations, like, out of nowhere. Um, but they have conversations about those moments and like, it's like, I, okay guys, I don't have to be constantly reminded about the shitty thing I did. That's fine (laughs) because it just would have been a shitty thing otherwise. And I'm sorry. Okay. I get it. Like this game definitely does not pump the brakes on reminding you like, Hey, remember that thing that we made you think really long and hard about just reminding you, we made you think really long and hard about it. And this is what you did. (laughs) It brings your decisions back up. I like that. I think uh, that's probably one of the, my biggest gripes with uh, Fallout Four is just like the the choices, air quote, that they give you like aren't really choices. Um, it's just like a different way to get to the same endpoint. Um, yeah. So that's refreshing to hear that it's it's like that. Um, uh, a big thing in New Vegas that stood out from three and four um, that. I think is very rooted in, uh, you know, the fact that Obsidian developed that was the factions. Are there factions or something like faction akin? Oh yeah, there are tons of factions. Every world. Um, so, like I mentioned, the, the board runs the galaxy. So think of the board like you would like, like a board of trustees or like the the end all be all like president and his like cabinet and then everybody else under that mm-hmm. that's essentially what the board is and they control all of the corporations and all the CEOs from those corporations are on the board and then they control the different planets so for instance the first planet you come in contact with is Edgewater and Edgewater is the primary supplier of a um, species known as Saltuna which is like a type of fish and they have a manufacturing plant. So all the people that live in that town work for that manufacturing plant. And then the CEO is on the board and then they have subsidiaries that like report to them and they have like a, like a docking and fishing company that work for them. And then, you know, and it all plays into how this all works. And the board controls like when they get power, when they get food, when they get supplies, all that stuff. Um, they pr- supply their defenses and uh, everything else. Um and messing with those ruins your reputation for either the board or the Edgewater community or the Saltuna factory or, you know, the the outlaw bandits that live on the outskirts of Edgewater. Like all of those have 
um, effects on those reputations. So doing something nice for Edgewater might ruin your reputation with the Marauders, but doing something with the Marauders might ruin your reputation with Edgewater. Um, and there's a lot of ramifications. Sometimes you do something for somebody in one town and it increases your faction rep for somebody that you haven't even met yet in another town because they pass on the good word for you. And instead of intimidating them for the currency, which I think are bits in this game, um, you can just say, hey, just put in a good word for me with your people. And if I, if something ever happens or I come in contact with you later on, like hopefully this works out to my benefit. And boy, oh boy, has it. <laughs> I have gotten myself out of quite a few pickles because I decided to pick somebody up off the ground rather than just blast them where they stood. Um, that stuff goes a long way. Um, like I, I saved somebody from um, being trapped in a in an apartment complex after a bombing happened. And I was just like, you don't have to do anything for me. I'm good. I'm not going to you know, bomb you for bits because I, you look like your heart up anyway. And that person was like, you're not going to regret this, I promise. Sure enough, five, ten hours later, I ran into a faction that had me at gunpoint and they were like, wait, are you the guy that got rid of like my, my sister and like helped her out with that thing? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And you can also lie and be like, nope, wasn't me. Didn't do anything. <laughs> and be like, I like you. You can stay. We're not going to kill you today. And I'm like, cool. Thank you. <laughs> because combat point. in this game is tough. Tell me more about the combat. That was one <clears throat> well, of the next questions. The the shooting is really nice. It feels a lot like a Fallout game. It plays first person. Uh, there is not a third person option. Um, though if you do like wait stationary for a while, it will like do the panoramic third person cameras. Mm-hmm. You can see your character. <clears throat> Um, the shooting feels really good. There's a lot of different guns. There's like your standard kinetic weapons that just shoot regular bullets. There's plasma guns. There's corrosive guns. There's shock guns. So there's a bunch of different damage types and then a bunch of different guns that do those damage types. So like melee, pistol, um, shotgun, rifle, automatic weapon, etc. Uh, for all those different types of damage. And then you can also mod those weapons for like increased sights, increased range, increased crit damage, increased magazine, uh, increased damage itself. Um, And you can, um, like in Mass Effect, you can give those to your companions. You can put armor on them. You can do that in Fallout too, but Mm -hmm. it's much more like a Mass Effect and you'll you'll see when you play it. So with with the weapons and the damage types, is there like any kind of like a rock, paper, scissors type of thing where like if you want to shoot somebody... With armor, like you go with the corrosive rounds, so it burns through the armor. Like, how how does that yep. work? Yep, you nailed it. it. That's exactly how it works. So, like, like you said, corrosive is better against robots, and plasmas get better against people. And then kinetic is also good against people, and like good all around. Mm-hmm. And then um, your um, uh, shock is good against like a very particular type of enemy that I ruin <laughs> yet. Spoiler territory. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, what can you like? Can you craft stuff? Like, is there is there a crafting system or like upgrades to like armor and weapons? So there's no there's no crafting system. So the way that it works is you find mods out in the wild. Sometimes they're rewards from other people. Um, sometimes you just find them in cabinets or laying around in um, in uh, like. Uh, treasure boxes or whatever you want to call them chests some people say 
Um, and then you can just take those to a workbench or like a tinkering bench. And what you can do is you can do multiple things with your weapons. You can tinker with them, you can mod them, or you can uh, dismantle them and break them down for their parts. And tinkering just brings it up to the level that you are. So you can never have a weapon that's five levels above what you are. Mm-hmm. So you can spend bits to tinker with the weapon and bring the damage up, bring the range up or whatever it is to your level, or you can mod it and add a mod. But the downside is if you mod a weapon and you add it to that weapon, you can't get that mod back off the weapon. That mod is now gone. But there's so many mods in this game for so many different situations. You'll never be short of mods, especially the same mod. But there are very rare mods that you have to be... um, cautious about when and where you use them and what weapons you put them on because you don't want to put it on a low level weapon and then be like I either have to tinker this all the way up to my level or I just have to dismantle it because it's kind of useless and I put it on a crap weapon all right. so so in theory like if you find a weapon early on that you like and you you know were really attached to it like you could continue to level it up and use it basically through the end game definitely and there's there's multiple tiers of weapons so there's just regular weapons there's diamond weapons, which they have a little diamond icon on them, which means they don't degrade as fast as they should, which, yes, there's degrading in this game. You have to repair your armor and your weapons, mm-hmm. much like in Fallout. Um, and then there's, like, epic weapons, which are ones that have, like, yellow, like, aura around them, which are just, like, specialty weapons with, uh, with like, mods already attached to them. Mm-hmm. And then there's scientific weapons, which are, like, exotic weapons. And they are, like, your shrink rays and, like, your... Um, like your fat man's nuke type weapons, but like they're the only ones that do the thing that they do. And they're right. very special and they're side quests that help you find them searching for clues and talking to people to get them. So they're not totally out of reach, <clears throat> but they're definitely findable. Nice. Um, so just, I only have like two more questions here, yeah. mainly because I didn't want to get too far into spoiler territory. Um, yeah. And this one is going to tread that spoiler line pretty closely. So as best you can, Um, I could tell just from, you know, what people have heard now and just from our conversations uh, outside of the podcast that you're, you seem like you're very much into this game. Um, What was the big thing or the big moment um, in your playthrough that really like just brought you in and had you just thinking like, yep, I'm all in on this. Uh, so at, there's a lot of really, really, really good in this game. There's very minimal eh in this game. I think one of the eh things, just to mention it, is the the not VATS system. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It could be better. Um, but it's definitely like, well, we can't steal VATS, so let's just make VATS light. And VATS light is not as good as VATS regular, I will say. <laughs> That's regular with real sugar is so much better. (laughs) But um, the thing that really hooked me into this game, and it was the same thing that hooked me into the Mass Effect games, is the companion stuff. I had a moment with my very first companion that I got. Her name is um, Petra. Not Petra. I can't remember her name. I'm sorry. Something along those lines. Obviously, that moment really stuck with me. Um, <laughs> but I had a moment with her because and it, it, it felt like it organically happened. Cause I started to build a relationship with her. She's one of the first companions that you get. 
and I'm I'm a loyalist in games when I get like initial companions and the new people come along. It's really hard for me to shake the old people yeah. away because I've spent so much time with them. Right. I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. So I tend to stick around with those people a lot. And then I tend to have like my go to these are the two companions I roll with. But in other situations, I'll like throw in these other people because they're better suited. But at the end of the day, if I'm just walking around the hub world, like these are the two people I bring with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's always one of those people. But we had a moment where uh, I was working on her side quest and her like true intentions and true nature started coming out. And I just had this wonderfully organic moment with her that really took me by surprise that they decided to go this route with this character because I thought it was very genuine and a different take on the, the, the romancing stuff in games like this. There's no romancing in this game at all. You can't like fall in love with your companions or other people Mm -hmm. just throwing that out there. Um, but your companions do have some storylines that fiddle with things like that. And this character in particular had one of those moments and it, I, I was helping her along with that. And it just kind of took me by surprise because I didn't know there wasn't thing in it. And I was like, Oh, this would be my romance option. Like yeah. I would choose this person cause it's my oldest companion and it's a woman and you know, um, but it like totally flipped itself in that moment. And I was like, this game's just doing all the right things. It was like all of the things that led up to that little moment where like the, the nuanced decisions, all of those things that happened and like all the gray areas and the choices that I had to make and all the people that you talk to and you can interact with ones that like give you quests. Once it even don't give you quests, you can literally just sit there and talk to named NPCs forever and never progress anything. And just get so much world context and clues and insight into them and their lives and their day to day that I don't know. It just it, it, it just that was it. It was just like um, that's where it went. And I was like, OK, I, I love this. I'm, yeah, I'm all in. And then it just I kept getting more companions from there and they all have drastically different personalities, but they're all like, you know, same mind, same goal with me. Um, Yeah, that's what really did it for me was all about the world building. Nice. Solid. Um, So to kind of tie a bow on this here. Sure. um, Who would you say this game is made for? Um, just like in a general sense, like what type of player is it for and uh, why would you or would you not recommend this to people? I would say this game is made for people who really like role playing because this game is a lot of that. It is not a space shoot 'em up adventure. It can be if you want it to be. But I've talked myself out of a lot of situations and just being clever and coy and thinking outside the box. I've been rewarded for that and not having to kill anybody. And it makes it kind of a space epic. It makes it like a Star Trek game more than a Star Wars game, so to speak. You know, it it doesn't have it's it's more like a serial, less like a um, 
like a like a just a root and toot and shoot them up for lack of better term. Um, and I think people that really like to engross themselves in a role playing game or even otherwise find a lot of fun in this game. Um, it's a and it's a new world. It's something we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of the things that kind of get old with me with fallout which is like everything is post-apocalyptic everything is drab and broken down and sad and skeletons and blah 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 this game has so much color and life and um different characters and personalities and like wildly different factions with drastically different goals um there's just so much to uncover here that like sometimes I can't play it for too long because I get really overwhelmed with all the stuff I'm getting myself involved in. Um, but I think it's really good for people who love story and just playing their own game and playing it their own way, making decisions, regardless what that is. Mm-hmm. You can shoot your way out of everything, but you can talk your way out of everything. And depending on who you play and where you put all your skill points, you can definitely play the game you want to play. And I love that about this. Um, what was the other part of that question? <laughs> <laughs> would you or would you not recommend this, or why, why would you recommend it, or why would you not recommend it? And you could answer both. Um, I highly yeah. recommend it. Uh, but it, I mean, it is an undertaking. It's definitely a game you're going to be playing for a while. Um, I don't think it's as deep and long and big and arduous as a Bethesda game where we're talking like 80 to 100 hours or even like an Assassin's Creed Odyssey which I think we both have said way too big way too long but still very very good and I'd recommend it mm-hmm. um, this game is smaller self-contained but has so much heart behind it and you can just see all the love pouring out of every orifice of this game um, and at every turn, there's something new. I have never once felt like I was doing something that was a waste of my time. Every side quest, every main quest, every NPC I've talked to, it's just so full of life and charm. And it's unique. And it feels like that next step forward that I've been asking for in these massive role-playing games. That it's it's no longer touting... You see that mountain, you can go up to that mountain and you can do that thing. It feels like a Witcher game. Like it feels like a very small self-contained RPG that's still big and sprawling, but not in terms of size and scope. More in terms of the density that goes into the things that you're doing and the quests that you're taking on and the people that you're interacting with and their stories and how those unfold and your decisions affecting the world. And ultimately, it's your story. You and I can play this game completely different ways and have completely different experiences. And it's one of the few games I'm really contemplating doing a second playthrough of because I want to see what the opposite end of the decisions that I make and the impact that they have on the world and how different that ends up being. Um, I really appreciate this game, but I'm not going to recommend it to somebody who's just like, I just want like a linear story and kind of follow along, do my thing. This game really kicks off the training wheels very early on. Um, And it can be overwhelming for some people, but I encourage you to stick with it and try it if you like space, epic RPGs, fantasy type stuff. Nice. Yeah, definitely on my uh, must-get list. I think I'm probably going to go the same route and do that $1 Game Pass because uh, just why would you not? Uh, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 
Assume I would have paid full price for this game, but I'm playing it for a yeah. dollar. Don't There's know why. A ton yet. of stuff on Game Pass, and I think this is probably one of the first games that's really going to push Game Pass like out there in the mainstream. And, and by the way, I rumor say has it, Game Pass might be on Switch at some point. So that will be toit. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely think this this could be our first step towards the the mythical uh, uh, Netflix of games type of situation yes. where you pay a subscription, you have access to you know, this huge library of quality content just for the well. Actually, let me mention on PC specifically. I don't know if this is how it is other elsewhere, but it actually just let me download the game and use my system's hardware to its full capability so I wasn't actually streaming something through my internet. Nice. So just you may it's just like you would have downloaded it and or purchased it and yeah. bought it. Right. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, so I appreciate it for such. Yeah. I think that about Are you playing Outer Worlds? Are you playing Modern Warfare? How do you like it? We want to hear about it. Uh let us know at uh the Games and App Podcast. Uh you can reach us out on Gmail. Uh, you can reach us at Gmail. That's the GNA podcast at gmail.com. That's the golf November alpha podcast at gmail.com. As I said at the top of the show, we are live on Twitch every Wednesday at 830 slash 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you'd like to join us, you can watch us live on twitch.tv slash the games Nat podcast. We would love to see you and interact with you in the chat room. Ask us questions and we'll ask you some back and maybe we'll even answer some of your questions featured on the show or some other cool stuff. Who knows? Um, <laughs> if you're listening to the audio podcast, we appreciate you and we love you too. Uh, you can catch us on iTunes going up live mostly Thursdays and Fridays these days. Um, those, uh, oh, and if you're listening to us on iTunes, we want you to throw us a rate and review. We love to hear you and it helps us boost our show and show up in the search engine when other people look for game related podcasts. We would appreciate it just like we appreciate you. I'm uh, if you want to watch, if you're listening thumbs up on audio, I'm thumbs upping. Very much so. <laughs> if you want to listen to any of our old episodes or stream any of our old episodes, you can catch some of those on Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Podcast. You can check out our videos and see some of our past live streams. That's where we do all of our archival stuff and maybe some other stuff coming there in the future. Who knows? Depends on how much traffic we get and how much you guys actually give a damn. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I mentioned before, uh, happy Halloween. It's the Halloween season. Stay safe out there. Don't eat any candy with razor blades or THC in it unless you're above, you know, you want to do that. Go for it. Uh, Circus but, X. Wow. Yeah. Razor blades. <laughs> yeah. Um, enjoy the holiday. It's one of my favorites. Uh, be sure to dress up as your favorite character, I guess, or person, thing, entity. Uh, <laughs> Just don't do those couple costumes where like one person's like a plug and the other person's like an outlet. Don't do that. But you can dress as anything else you want. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Brandon, regardless what holiday and regardless what games people are playing, what do we always tell them? We always say that, you know, we're just a couple average Joes. We don't have any ties to the gaming industry aside from the, our hard earned dollars that we've spent on these games that we may or may not enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so really, don't listen to just what we say or just what you read or just what you view on other channels, other videos. Get out there. Ignore the review bombs. 
mm-hmm. buy the game that you think you're going to enjoy, play it, give it its fair shake, because at the end of the day, the only opinion that matters is your own. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>